If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Dominic Swentoski. I'm the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. Tonight, we're here to talk about spawning trout. Specifically, we're ready to tackle the ethics of fishing during the spawn whether it's right or wrong to fish for trout that are actively in the process of making the next generation of trout. Moreover, where do these ideas of what's ethical or not come from, and why are the expectations confusing for a lot of anglers? Is it okay to be on the water while trout are spawning, or should we simply stay away during the spawning season and let trout do their own thing? We'll branch out into different trout species, and we'll especially highlight how different regions, different rivers, and different setups might require a different approach. So this topic can get a little contentious. Anglers have strong opinions about this one way or the other. And for many people, there's not much middle ground. Now, we've covered this topic before, too, in a couple Q&A sessions in different seasons of the Trout Bitten Podcast. And we'll surely go over some of those same thoughts again. But this topic deserves its own podcast, and it's been on our list for a long while now. But listen, trust me when I say that none of us are here to tell you how to fish, or when to fish. This topic, though, is one that each of us has given a lot of thought over the years. We've also seen anglers have a change of heart, and we've been around to witness some heated disagreements about this topic, too. So, trout fishing and the spawn. But first, let's say hi to the Trout Bitten Podcast crew. Dr. Trevor Smith is here. We missed you last week, buddy. Yeah, I missed being here. Uh, We all shared a little bit about ourselves, because it's episode one of the Starting into the third year of doing this, so we figured we'd backtrack a bit, just catch nice. listeners up, maybe some new listeners, catch them up a little bit on, uh, I don't know, who we are. Trevor, just yeah. uh, what a little bit about yourself, bud. Sure. I'm a Pennsylvania native, I would call myself. I grew up up in Warren County, in the banks of the Allegheny. Grew up fishing for bass, for the most part. Dirty fish. 
Yeah. Stinky bass. Right? Started fly fishing up there in Warren in little small streams um, with a man named Clarence Baldwin, mm-hmm. who taught me a lot. My uncle taught me more. Started fly fishing more as I got older. Spent some time in the military. I'm a family doctor now in State College, Pennsylvania. And yeah, love to get out fishing and hunting when I get the chance. Got three little kids. Yeah, you do. Like getting them out on the water as well. I've got a well-used hiking backpack that sees a lot of wear. Mm-hmm. My youngest, Jack, who's four, is, is the current seat holder. So That's a good yeah, seat. All my, kids, all my kids love the outdoors. All my kids are love fishing and, and want to get out with me as much as they can. So it's a blessing. It's good. And you have a lot of wool. A lot of wool. I own a you lot are of Dr. Wool clothing. Wool. I really that's do. Right. You changed a lot of lives, Trevor, in many ways. Change it. That's right. He's a degree in with wool. The wool. Well, he's a degree, degree in wool. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Proud graduate of Penn State University. Who's going up against the Buckeyes this weekend, so. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now. Let's go. We all we got a shot. Let's go. By the time this yeah, we uh, publishes, we will have won or lost. Or won. It's not talking won. about. I said, we're going in. We're going in. <laughs> going, going in swinging. <laughs> we'll That's right. All right. Hey, everybody else, just let's hear your voice real quick. Austin, say hi, bud. Hey, how we doing? Austin Dando right there. Let me hear Delhi, Bill Dell. Hey, you hear me all right? Oh, oh yeah, we hear you all right. <laughs> Stop looking like that. He's single. <laughs> Josh is uh, doing some family traveling, I think, again. Hmm. And uh, here's Matt Grobe. Out in Montana. Did you just say Bill was single? No. <laughs> we, were, we went through that. I echoed your podcast. advice from oh, last week, Grove. Okay. We're back to Move that. on. Okay. Yeah, Bill Dale's single. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still daylight out there, Matt? It's uh, getting dark. Yep, it's getting dark. It's that time of year. Let's roll through a listener question. First one of the season. First one of season nine. Uh, let's do a question real quick before we jump into fishing and trout spawning. Austin, you want to read this, bud? You know how to read? You're good at it. I, I think I remember. I'll give it a shot. All right. Mm-hmm. This is from Donald Huston. Don't be nervous. All right. All right. Donald Huston by way of Instagram. He writes, hey, Dom, I have a question that I would like to get a trout bitten opinion on. I know the consensus is if there's a truck parked at an access, then you keep going so everyone has space. This is a situation I run into from time to time, and I've been on both ends. You get to a spot and are getting ready by the truck, and another vehicle pulls in. This has happened a few times at more popular spots, so seeing a few trucks isn't uncommon. Maybe the people in the other truck came from fishing in a different section of water, so the waders are on, rods are rigged, and they're ready to go. So who gets the right away? The guy who is physically there first, or the guy who is ready first? On another note, you've mentioned that you don't like when people sit on the bank and watch you fish. Why is that? I watch others fish from time to time and enjoy it. It's not necessarily to push them out, but to learn some new techniques. Thanks, Donald. All right, so that's a bit of a two-part question there. So yeah. why don't we start on the first part, which is you know who gets the right of way in this situation? It's the guy that was there first, physically. Hands yeah. down. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter just, if you had your waders on. I always have my waders on. I go to sleep with my waders on. Doesn't That's mean right. Trevor right goes to the river with his waders on. It's true. <laughs> it's an old yeah, Trevor but trick. But it's the guy that was at that spot first. Absolutely. But 
Can we elaborate on that? Because I, I mean, how big's the access, right? Like, if, yeah. I mean, if it's a big access, like I, I think back when I was reading Donald's question, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's calling me out because I'm like harping on the bridge access yeah. in yeah, Montana. Right. And I always tell people like one truck and get the out, right? Like d- don't, <laughs> don't try to yeah. high hole me at the bridge access. Now a fishing access with public land on the banks I feel like is a little bit more uh, palatable to have a truck or two there, if that yeah. makes sense. Well, if they pull in, let's say it's uh, five cars can fit in, and I don't really care how big or small it is. I think that, well, the thing to do is go, hey, buddy, which way are you going? You going upstream or down? If you've got your waders on and that guy's just putting, it's just rude to just I rush agree, to the yeah. river right in front of them. But it, you're you're right too, Matt. I mean, if it's big, wide Walmart it's parking like, let's lot think size. a three dollar bridge. You've been <laughs> yeah. to three dollar bridge, well, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. that thing's massive, right? Yeah. And it fits fifteen, twenty cars. I feel yeah. like going into it, I know that that's the way that access is. Yeah, I think if we have an access that's like a little more, you know, intimate, where there are restrictions, it's yeah. like okay, like let's not fit eight rigs in this, you know, right. two car parking spot to your point yeah um i don't know why but everybody seems to want to collect together you really don't i guess people i guess it's just human nature maybe in some way to want to be around each other maybe they maybe they're from out of town and they think like hey here's a good spot because there's already three cars here let's be the fourth one but i know we don't really operate like that and it just doesn't make any sense to me and i don't care if i am from out of town if i see whatever i mean i guess i've already picked the river because i have confidence in it Mm -hmm. and for me i don't I don't want to be around other. It can be seasonally dependent too. Like if it's yeah, the green yeah. dray catch and there are <laughs> seven, 15, 20 cars at every access and you end up at the access that has the least amount of cars or the one spot left that you're going to fit in. Yeah. Then I feel like the rules are a little bit more flexible because there's nowhere else for you to go. All you can do is hike down to the stream, see where people are at and try to yeah. avoid them the best you can. But sure. if it's like, you know, a day like today or middle of, uh, the winter and there's not many other accesses or not many other people in the accesses throughout the stream you want to fish, then move on or uh, yeah. absolutely yield to the person who's there first or, you know, at least give them the chance to explain their plan before you go in and hop right above them. Yep. I think we're on Donald's side. Yep. What, what about the other question? He said that he talked well, about, I, I, remember, I remember saying this in a podcast that like, it bugs me when people will just stand there for a long period of time. Or even sit down and just watch you fish. I'm like, yeah. I didn't I didn't go fishing so I could be stared at. Again, there you go, situational. If there's 30 people around, well, you're going to stare at each other, right? Mm-hmm. If, even when you're rigging up or something. I don't know. Or if you're eating a sandwich. <laughs> this is different. <laughs> What's that? It's Halloween. It's like the yeah, Michael Myers chant. <laughs> Michael Myers chant. It's like oh, no. the guy with the Michael's Myers mask, Michael Myers mask <laughs> sitting on the bank, creeping Dom out. That's right. That's, well, that's a good description. It creeps me out a little bit. I'm like, I, you know, move on. And uh, here's the other point on that. I wouldn't recommend watching what other fly anglers do on the river to learn techniques or to learn good techniques. Yeah, I ignore you all the time. Yeah, exactly. Trevor, have you ever Way seen now. Trevor fish? <laughs> I try not to watch when I, watch, when I see Trevor out there. <laughs> My fishing isn't best watched. It's, a, <laughs> it's it's not a spectator sport. It's not a spectator sport. I like that. That's right. But I get what he's saying too. I mean, whatever you're going to sit down, if you're, if you're, sandwich, especially if you're real yeah. new to the game, and it is entertaining to watch other anglers. I'm not saying that I've never done that. I will say, 
when I watch other anglers, I do it from a location where they don't know I'm watching them. Know what I mean? I, in base sniper, the sniper location. I'm trying to give them that <laughs> that courtesy, honestly, of like, hey, you got your own space up there. Okay, I'm not trying to walk in on people. I don't. I don't like to disturb people. Golden rule, man. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to be disturbed, so I don't do it to other people. Yeah, that's all. I I agree with you 100. percent I think the problem is that so like fly fishing is a solitude sport for the most part, and if you're mm-hmm. out there alone, and it, it, I do think it's different depending on where you choose to go. Like, if you choose to fish. Yeah or you know whatever you can bleep that out but if you know if you choose a really public access you are acknowledging when you go there that you're not going to be alone but yeah for the most part like i mean hunting nobody would even think i mean you shouldn't think twice about that like if somebody is hunting and somebody came up and watched you (laughs) i mean that's like (laughs) a little space bud yeah you might get an arrow in your leg yeah i know (laughs) when we fish together dom and i often sit on the bank and note all the mistakes that the younger crew makes when they uh, are fishing up the river. Oh, you mean these guys? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like or, or watch us catch fish. <laughs> I don't know if that happens very often. You're just looking yeah. for some improvement. Mm. Just, just a All right. Hater. So Donald got the, old, uh, got the old email with two questions in there. That was slick of him, right? Pulled that trick. Pulled the old two-question trick. He's done that one before, I think. Yeah. Two-banger. Yeah. Two banger. Don't do it again. <laughs> Let's move on. You guys ready? Everybody got a yes. drink? You ready for this one? Don't piss anybody off. Okay? That's the, that's the goal. <laughs> Grove goes, ah, hey. <laughs> kind of raises his shoulder. Ah. I'm not on here to make friends. No, uh, no. Okay. Well, that's why you're here. <laughs> nah, just joking. <laughs> you got, he's got that uh, thing going for him. All right. Here we go then. Trout fishing and the spawn. I'm going to assume that we don't need to break down what happens while trout spawn or spend much time on that because we're here to talk more specifically about the question to fish or not to fish during that spawn. But here's a quick primer so that we're all on the same page with the listeners. Spawning takes place over a period of, well, I'm going to say two to six weeks, usually, in trout rivers, uh, sometimes in the main river, sometimes in tributaries. A trout nest is called a red, where they lay the eggs, you know? Those reds are sometimes very prevalent throughout the system, and other times they're extremely localized in just a small section of a river or stream. Not all trout are involved in the spawn. That's important to note. In fact, most are not involved in the spawn. Many trout that are spawning eat and follow other daily routines during the weeks when they're also spawning. Of course, some do not. They'll even wear themselves out while spawning a bit. Okay. And most trout involved in the spawn are larger most. In fact, we often see some of the largest trout in the system in like calf deep or knee deep water, kind of out in the open, regardless of the time of the day or, you know, sunlight or water conditions. And that is where a lot of the trouble begins. So guys, what's that trouble? What's the problem? What's the problem? Larger brown trout is the problem. There's not one there's that species fires people up more than any other. I'm talking steelhead, rainbow trout, brook trout, cutthroat trout. Okay. You just said it perfectly two to six weeks in a state like Montana that has all four species reproducing in the spring and in the, in the fall. Yeah. You're basically left to fish the month of July. Yeah. If you were to not fish during the spawn. So anybody that, wants to like comment on it out here 
they're all hypocrites. Yeah. They're all hypocrites because they, they neglect the spawn in the, in the spring. And there's something about the brown trout, man. It's a jealousy Mm -hmm. fueled outrage that happens. And it only happens in the fall. Am I wrong for saying that? Well, that's what I'm getting at is that it comes. I think the problem starts with the chasing of large brown trout. Totally agree. And, and all that goes along with that. Like you say, jealousy or the spot burning people are concerned about. And hey, maybe there's actually legitimate concern for sure that you're going to damage the fish, uh, you know, if you're catching them while they're spawning. Very legitimate concern. But I think it's, yeah, like you said, it's the obsession with the brown trout especially. But then just larger fish, the chasing of larger fish. And they're right there, like I said, right. a lot of times in that shallow water where they spawn calf to need eat. Yeah, the sure. part of the problem is that there's a temptation there for mm-hmm. anglers where fish maybe they don't see uh, the rest of the year until this time. Yeah. And yeah. oh, wow, there, there's actually two of them or there's one of them yeah, right. sitting right out there in the middle of this really nice, easy to wade water. Mm-hmm. I bet I could swing a streamer or an egg or maybe I could even snag them, mm-hmm. put them in my net. I could, get a, I could get a really good picture of those fish. <laughs> yeah. And that happens. That's not just something that oh, yeah. you, know, you imagine. Oh, yeah. How many times have we actually discovered or it's been, you know, mm-hmm. people do that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's real. Whether it's after a fishing trip or at a backyard fire, you can bet the Trout Bitten crew has a case of new trail broken heels along with us. It's honestly our favorite beer. This hazy IPA is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken heels is a keeper. New Trail Beer is proudly brewed in Williamsport, Pennsylvania and delivered cold to your favorite craft beer retailer every week. At New Trail, it's not about being the best angler. It's about getting out there. So enjoy nature's moments and reward yourself for a day well fished with New Trail Broken Heels. It's Trout Bitten's favorite beer. As fly anglers and tires, we understand the value of having the right tool for the job. Avidmax.com offers over 20,000 products and the knowledge to help you find the right tool for your job, whether that be at the tying bench or on the water. Listeners of the Trout Pitten Podcast receive a special one-time discount code at avidmax.com. Enter the code TB10 at checkout on full-priced items to save 10% off your order. Orders over $25 ship for free, so you can put more gas in your tank or beer in your cooler. For all things fly fishing and tying, Elevate your game with Avid Max. So here, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. So as an outdoorsman, and you think about hunting in general, mm-hmm. there's when you hunt, you're hunting in the fall, and you're hunting during the rut and the reproductive time of deer. And there's so much money and, I don't say gear or different things that are that revolve around that rut and basically in your success that stuff is there to provide you success during that mating season the same thing with spring gobbler and so like from the hunting perspective you know that's when animals are at their weakest and that's when we try to take advantage of that and it's odd from that vantage point that then when you start to talk about trout it's viewed differently right like if you think about it globally as an outdoorsman, that's the one differing opinion I see. That's where the confusion comes in. It is confusing. Right. 
Well, and you can yeah, take it a step a further because you can have it in fishing. How many people go to Alaska? How many people do you know yeah. that go to Alaska in September to fish eggs? Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's a global market, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, definitely. And, and it's accepted. You, yep. you, you chuck a pegged <laughs> egg in, in the entire state of Alaska and it's okay there. Yep. Why is yeah. that? Yeah. I don't why know. Is why is it okay there? Right. Yeah. And it's all the lake, all the lake run fish. Yeah. They're, they're all running out of a lake to spawn. Right. Steelhead. Um, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. You're chasing them. Like you said, during their weakest right. point, really, they're most, perhaps their most vulnerable state. So you have a whole industry pushing the steelhead. We'll, right. we'll talk about the Great Lakes region. I mean, there's mm-hmm. an entire industry there that's making millions upon millions of dollars. Yep. Pushing the, the ambush <laughs> of <laughs> reproducing fish. Yeah. To, to Bill's point, it's just another, yeah. but okay. So then we're siphoning off. Okay. That's okay. It's okay to murder yeah. an eight point buck while it's breeding with a, a doe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, it, but by, by <laughs> all means <laughs> do not that brown trout you caught you some right. bitch yeah. <laughs> that was cheating. <laughs> mm-hmm. And let's face it, people, we all know them. They'll call out any catch that's, that's oh, made it's, from as now soon as until, November. You're you, yep, right. yeah, every, you ripped it off a red. Yeah. No matter what. Right. Yeah, the I accusations know. I know everywhere. You, yeah. Yep. There's a red right behind that tree. <laughs> Trevor, I'd be interested to hear your perspective as an avid hunter. Right. Why do you think it's different? I think the culture surrounding hunting has always been more different or it has been different than what has kind of developed out of fly fishing and that sort of, I think that fly fishing has at times been tempted to go beyond just conservation and into a little bit of moralizing and a little bit of just like, Hmm. you know, it comes, it comes along with the whole elitism and the discussion surrounding that, where I do think that hunters are there, there's no qualms about the fact that you're out, you know, to harvest an animal. And it, and I, and I think that people that misunderstand hunters to be bloodthirsty, um, killers, do a great dessert, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Most avid hunters are great conservationists at heart. Yeah. And when they look across at the fishing industry, um, specifically, I would say fly fishing, I just think that there can sometimes be, it's just sort of funny that there isn't a, the, a little bit of more taste, I guess a little bit better taste of reality when it comes to what we're doing when we're fishing. Even from the mortality rates of hooking and releasing fish. Some people don't kind of come to grips with that, but also the reality of many of the people that I've talked to that get really upset about fishing during the spawn also don't really realize that eggs are staying in reds until the spring and they're hatching in the spring Mm -hmm. without any care. Right. And so these same, many of these same fishermen are fishing then throughout late winter and into the spring and walking all over reds because they don't even know how to identify a red, but they're really fixed on not fishing during this four-week period of time that is fairly arbitrary, but is mm-hmm. talked about a lot. So I think... Yeah, uh, I was going to... Mm-hmm. No, no, go ahead. I'm, I was going to ask you about the the release specifically because obviously when we're hunting during the rut, we're not looking to let a deer go after we mm-hmm. shoot it. Right. Unlike Rock a trout where we may you know, land it, take a picture and, and set it back. Do you think there's any difference in, in landing a fish off a red and, and bringing it home versus one that we release back to the stream, morally or ethically? So I'm going to chime in on examples I have of that. And you can be as educated as as you want to be. But if you're fishing a brand new stream, 
Yeah. You have weird lighting. And let's say there's a Dom's favorite bug, the pseudo-cleon. Right? Oh, yeah. I was pushing that <laughs> today. Hatching in the fall. Nice. We, can, we can have prolific hatches <laughs> in the fall. And you're fishing ahead of a riffle mm-hmm. in an emerging hatch. Yeah. And, oh, by the time you get to the head of that riffle and look back, oh, my goodness, the head of that riffle was actually a red. Mm-hmm. And I landed three colored up browns on that and let them go just as I would any other day. There's no way, I'm sorry, that that has any impact on, and that's a, I, I can, honest mistake I see people make yeah. all the time out here. And I could, I could, I'll, I'll talk about sloop. Sloop, you can, you can show them, there's, there's a lot of weed beds out <laughs> here, okay? We have a lot of weeds in our system. And the weeds lift this time of year because they die. And with that, they, they bring up fresh gravel. Okay. okay. Yeah. It, that makes it's sense. It's very easy to see. Yeah. You probably see it on yep. some of your local streams. What's oh, a red, yeah. what's a red and what's uprooted right. gravel from that dying. The whole thing's perplexing when you try to talk to someone about what that is and what that isn't. But all I'm saying is you can mistakenly catch fish that are on spawning grounds not intending to catch them. And I don't think, you know, it's like it's it's going to be impactful to those fish or those fish are going to like belly up and die because they're so gassed. Like, I just don't think that's the case. They're not going to eat. If they're that tired, they are not going to eat very aggressively from my experience. Those fish get lethargic post-spawn. Fishing tends to suck for a little bit and it stinks for a little bit because they're recovering. I think I would be curious to know, those are good, interesting points. Um, in contrasting the fishing and hunting industry, the Game Commission does a really extensive job at publicizing the census of deer in Pennsylvania and what their expected and desired kill is in each wildlife management unit. And the whole state is broken into different parts and there's different kills that they're looking for to maintain a healthy herd across the state. And I think what complicates this in fishing is one, we have like stocking over wild trout populations going on. We have wild trout, we have purely stocked fisheries. And so I think a big part of the question has to sort of come back to what's the sustainability of the resource and what even what harvest would be best to maintain healthy populations in particular streams. And I don't know that we as fishermen are are educated very well about that or whether that type of information is even accessible. Um, And so I, I do think there's like this nebulous nature to the management of brown trout because we're sort of assuming that it's bad for the fishery to kill fish right and yet a certain fish kill might be optimal for food availability for size of species etc and those would have to go into any conversation about i guess about this yeah i mean it's i think dom you can allude to it even more but you you hit it on the head on on the fact that if you're not spending time out on your home water during the spawn, you're doing yourself a disservice from an education standpoint, um, learning where those fish tend to breed and all those things. I think you can become a better angler fishing during the spawn. Uh, I'm not talking about fishing for spawning trout. I'm saying fishing during the spawn to see what happens in your local waterway to become better educated because there's really no other way to do it, right? Yeah, as you know, that's been my argument for a long time. Wrote articles about it. We've acknowledged that before. It is about education for me. I don't know, and Trevor brought this up, I don't know how you can possibly 
understand where trout do spawn in your rivers if you're not there during the spawn because as soon as they're done spawning, those reds silt over. You can't see them anymore. And um, those water conditions are going to change too. And in Jan- let's say that we're talking about the brown trout spawn here and they're, they're, they're going to be done... They're going to be done in December, you know? And so let's say in January, you go out, you're not going to know what you should avoid. You don't know the water type to avoid. I would argue that you'll do a lot more damage by walking through a pile of reds and displacing all those eggs, which are not going to live outside of the red, than you would if you'd accidentally caught a spawning fish like Matt described. Right. Can we back up though? And do you guys fish for spawning trout? I mean, do we or don't we? Do, do you guys fish, like actively fish for spawning trout? No, not actively. Right. I don't either. No. No. Never on purpose. No, I didn't. Here's Deli. He's like, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Bill? I, I, I honestly did when I first started fly fishing. Oh, right, right. I have. Like, I came in with like that, because I had grown, mm-hmm. I, you know, I grew up in the outdoors hunting, and I was like, oh, man, this is great. They're, you know, it's like taking candy from a baby. Well, that's why I agree with what Matt says. And Matt, I'm, I'm sure you're kind of the same way. When, when I was younger in the game, didn't know a lot of stuff, or, you know, didn't, didn't know much of anything. I didn't even understand what was going on. I mean, seriously, these days it's almost hard to avoid that kind of information. If you're hooked up to Instagram at all, everybody's going to tell you it's spawning season. Sure. And here's, here's <laughs> yeah. their set of rules for what you should be doing. Here's another set of rules from somebody else. But yeah, back then I didn't know. But now looking back, I go, I, I pretty much agree with Matt. They are not easy to fool let's say they're, they're often just very focused on spawning um, yeah i agree there's yeah. some notion out there it's not a notion people say this all the time like it's just so easy they're like <laughs> sitting ducks right there or it's like shooting fish in a barrel they're they're, they're so easy to fool because they're so aggressive when they're spawning i don't find that to be true now before no. before the spawn is when i find them to be most aggressive let's say for streamers they're starting mm-hmm. to turn on right now here uh, can I elaborate on that a little bit, Dom? Please. So when they're digging the reds, right? Yeah. You see, we've we've all seen the pairs. Like, there's no way those fish are eating. Like, you can have a pair of fish, and then the females digging the gravel, and they're just not at that stage. When you see yeah. fish, and you can, I mean, it is pretty yeah. cool to watch. You you can see them, you know, her digging the reds, and and the male yeah. fertilizing it on the back end. The the time where what ends up happening is that male, there's a four day period that that male will sit there to protect the bed. And at that point that fish can come aggressive. And I would agree with bill. That's when Mm -hmm. you can really get the, that, that fish to protect it and he'll hit streamers or, or whatever. Uh, if you read about, you can watch, yeah, it's, that's, that's how it goes down. And then to your point, early in the season or early this spawn, right? And this goes into when is it... I like that. Brings up another question that's just popped in my head. When is it okay to stop fishing, right? Like we... I I know there's staging buckets. I have a bunch of them out here. And I know exactly what those fish are doing. They're not on reds. They're not digging. Yeah, they're they're not even started yet, but but they're they're pissed. Yeah, They're pissed off and and, and it's fun fishing. And I'll I'll be... I love it. Mm -hmm. Is it like, you know... I don't care. I catch 20 fish in one bucket, you know, and I'm like, they're nice, colored up, beautiful browns, and they're getting ready for the dance. Like, what's wrong with that? Right. You're fishing. If you care that much about the health of the trout, stop fishing. I know that sounds all, you can hardly say anything like that out loud anymore, but we've talked about it. I I wrote the article, are we taking the safety of trout too far? My answer is yes, I think we are. You have to be careful. 
Because if you start telling people, don't fish now, don't fish then, don't fish this way, don't fish that way, make sure you do all these things and the, the health and safety of the trout is the most important thing, then the next thing you're going to tell them is stop fishing. And that's what's coming. I mean, that's, you know, PETA will take over and they'll <laughs> tell everybody not to, I'm serious, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're like, right. You can't have it. every. If you're going to fish, you're going to accidentally kill some fish regardless of the spawn and everything, you know? Like we've all had accidents where we foul hook a fish in a bad way. Absolutely. And, you know, it just happens. Yeah. So it, I, yeah. Sorry, Nom, but there's there's got to be enough, like you guys have fish uh, studies, right? Fish per mile. Yeah. Every state does. And same with Montana. Right now, there's streams closed. Okay, there's th- there's right. three famous streams that are shut down. Yeah, they shut down on September 30th, and the mm-hmm. and the reasoning is because we need to let the those yep. brown trout spawn peacefully because angling pressure could be affecting the trout populations. Mm-hmm. There's other things in mind, right? And I'm like, look, if this is the a knee jerk or, you know, you want to just take a deep breath and assess things and we got to give the trout eight months off. Okay. But there's also just as many examples across the country, especially in your area mm-hmm. where, where fishing pressures increased, right? Likely in the fall. It's not yeah. like it is in summer, but it's probably higher than it's been. And the oh, trout yeah. populations are the same, if not better. So there's also a lot higher. of examples shooting right. that down all over the place. Yeah. So I don't agree with that theory that you should just stop fishing and it's going to magically ha- let your fishery flourish. Mm-hmm. I think we have that in the East too. Not as much as you do out there, but there's a few select streams on the East Coast that also kind of abide by those same guidelines and, and rules as to shut down for periods of time. But yeah. like we've already elaborated, they open back up in times where the reds are still vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. Nobody really educates about but that. But because it's like a closed versus open, once the open sign goes on, it's like, all right, no holds well, so, bar. Well, so too I much mean. angler pressure. Right. All right, yeah. so, so below tailwaters a lot of times, or below a dam, you know, on a tailwater a lot of times, a lot of trout will spawn there. Like we know this. And many, or at least some of those areas, like South Holston, isn't it like that? There's a, a lot of the trout go up into one area to spawn. Bill, do you know this? Yeah. So, yeah. So, and they actually close sections of the South Holston. Right. Actually, until March. Well, that might be a good idea, That's right? Because what we're saying about yeah. it. Because, again, with this brown trout it spawn, March. it's in March. Yeah. It's it, Well, it probably is because it's in March when those eggs finally hatch, you know? Yeah. Because they actually spawn later down there because of the... Oh, temperatures know. and stuff. Science stuff. Daylight science stuff. temperatures. <laughs> well, but anyway, yeah. I mean, you kind of, yeah. you get to that point then where so much of the spawning is happening in one area. And if everybody knows that, and let's say you do have a whole bunch of angler pressure while those trout are trying to spawn. I mean, I agree like some, that's detrimental to the fishery, but like how, let's describe how. If you had a bunch of anglers right where all the spawning is taking place for much of the river. I mean, you're going to trample the reds. Sure. You're going to walk over top of them. I think it moves the fish too. You've seen it. Or they become right? nocturnal. I mean, I personally think they're going to, mm-hmm. they're still, nature's still going to do its thing. Oh, they do. I've, I've taken my dog for a walk. Cause you remember it's daylight savings time by then. Mm-hmm. And, um, right. I've taken my dogs for, for a walk, you know, besides some of our favorite rivers and, um, I'll spotlight areas where I, you know, you got, there's gravel there. I know it. Cause I've seen it during the day. I don't know. I mean, I can't tell if they're actively spawning, but they're right there looking like they're spawning paired sure. up. It's not like they just abandon those areas at night. So you're right. They become nocturnal. I guess all I'm saying is I think 
too many anglers in an area where all the spawning is taking place could actually do a lot of a lot of harm. For sure. It's going to disrupt the process, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's say you approach a piece of water and you find some reds and actively spawning fish. Mm-hmm. Will you fish around those reds? Um, will you, you know, go up to a different section? Will you go up to a different section completely? Or what do you do when you actually approach one? I actually ran into this this weekend. You found spawning fish this weekend? Yeah. Um, I brook actually trout? Ran, had, yeah, brook trout. Oh, gotcha, we, yeah. So um, our, our area, the trout seem to spawn anywhere from like now until December. It's, it's a lot of rain-based stuff. Yeah. So when the streams actually get water volume in them, sometimes the fish will spawn really early. Yep. But anyway, so I didn't pick up on it. Like the, the first haul I fished, I saw a fish spook out of the tail and I was like, okay, whatever. And then mm-hmm. like the next one I came up to it, I was like, oh, and I paid more attention. I was like, oh, okay. There, you know, there's a couple spawning in here. And so like, I just stopped kind of fishing the tail outs and I, I was fishing a dry fly. It wasn't like I was, you know throwing eggs at them but um yeah i i just at that point i just kind of made the decision like okay i'm not going to fish the tail out just in the event of you know potentially catching a spawning fish because that's where all the gravel is in that little stream sure but would you throw an egg if there was like a deep run around there if you knew you were going to catch 20 fish not with brook trout what about with browns not during the spawn i don't know i'm not a big egg Hmm. guy you fish them in the winter that is an interesting question because what it is, is, you know, like yeah. I think where, where's the ethics, line, what research, I mean, I think I know what's on my line, right. Brook and brown trout are <laughs> the biggest eaters of their own eggs from what I understand. Right. right? As far as fish yeah. go. And so are you really doing any harm? Are you no. just by picking up a, an egg eating fish? It's just like, I mean, that's their food source. Matching the hatch. So, so how close can you get to that spawning fish? Yeah. That, I mean, I think. Austin, your question right there kind of goes at the heart of this whole thing. If you can avoid the fish, yeah. do it. And that's what, that's what Bill did. And that's what I'm going to do. And I've said this before. It takes angler discipline. I, I, it takes some self-discipline. You got to find your own line. And for us, we're saying we won't fish over to spawning trout. And we're kind of talking about how we're going to give them space, right? We can get into more of that, how to not disturb fish that are spawning. But I'm not staying off the water because I like, well, I like fishing. And because I also believe I'm not doing any significant damage if any, more than I would if I'm just fishing any other day of the year. And I'm also learning many things by being out there during the spawn and learning what I should be avoiding, those areas of reds, throughout the rest of the season. So I don't want to stop fishing. And so that's where I draw my line. And I know how I can avoid those trout because they're not spawning everywhere in our rivers. And then it takes some self-discipline. This is the truth. I know where those fish spawn every year because often, I mean, the gravel doesn't change unless you get significant flooding and places washed out. The gravel in our, in our area is almost, well, it, those trout go to the gravel, which is in the same areas every year, and it's very predictable. It's not almost predictable. Good it's point. very predictable. I know by now where I can see, I mean, some 20-inch fish on some of our rivers that don't hold those, you know, right? that, that I hardly ever catch them. And then... Even some, you know, 20 to 24 inch fish in some of our other rivers where, you know, they're very hard to find. And so they're right there. They're right there. And I'm looking at them, but I won't fish for them. And that doesn't make me better than anybody else, but I have some self-discipline. I won't do it. And so I think what, here I'm on my soapbox, right? But I think what a lot of people, and I'll even say part of the industry, 
will tell people, like, just stay off the water. Hey, when they're spawning, it just you shouldn't be out there. I think they tell them that because they're babysitting them a little bit, you know. And right they're on. saying, well, yeah. you, that person, hey, the average angler isn't going to have enough self-discipline. Let's just tell them stay off the water. And I don't think that's fair. We've been through this before about other things, you know. Have enough, I think, respect for the average angler to educate them about what it, what the spawn is, maybe what the damage you could do to the resource by fishing for those spawning fish, and then have some trust in them that with that information, they'll have the self-discipline to move on. But it it's hard, I suppose, at first. It's almost like catch and, catch and release. I mean, I grew up keep, yeah. keeping everything, right? And so I do remember those first few fish we were on Crooked Creek. That's not a spot burn. And I remember releasing those first couple of trout and going, like, that's, that's, this is kind of hard, but I, look, I'm letting them go. Okay, I let it go. Anyway, it's, it's kind of like that. You go, well, I'm passing them up. There's two nice trout on there. Now, I know they're in a river. It, it makes me excited to know that they're in that, in that river. Now I'm going to catch them, you know, a month from now, in December, yeah. January. Maybe they'll still be in the same area. Well, what I like about the point you make, Dom, is just that it takes a deeper look into the issue to fully understand it. And I think if you fish during the spawn responsibly, and learn and have a much better idea of where fish spawn on the rivers that you fish, you also have a way better chance of not disturbing the buried reds after the spawn. Whereas if you kind of, well, if you just are going to cut out that particular part of the year, you're not going to learn anything more that there is to know about the spawn. I know many anglers who have no idea that there's any danger to those reds beyond the spawn. And right, and I, right, right, and right. I think that that yeah. just comes from the superficial version of avoiding sp- fishing during the spawn that we're fed, like you said, that we're kind of fed by maybe the industry, maybe whatever it is, whoever's prerogative it is to keep people off the river. Um, I think that I don't, I'm not insinuating that anyone's intention is wrong, but I think the method is wrong, and it sort of mm-hmm. it treats the average angler. Um, like a simpleton. Yeah. And I think it also, along those same lines, Trevor, it's like every fish is spawning in your river in every section. Yes. Which, which yeah. is simply that's, not the some, case. Yeah. Right. No, that's the Dumb. wrong assumption. You've already sure. touched on gravel, right. you know, that kind of easy substrate to dig a bed into, you know, maybe shallow to knee water or knee high water is what we're going to be looking for in, in, uh, in caution to, to reds, but they're not going to be in, in hard, fast running, uh, water that's deep and big and bouldery um, right. and, and more extreme. Those fish that live in that and and spend their days in that water, they're not digging reds, they're not nope. laying eggs, and they're not spending time in there doing anything like that. I think it's easy to avoid those sections. Like you said, Matt, I could be on a brand new river and I don't know those places, but after so many years on the water, I know where they're going to spawn, and so I don't fish those areas. Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure.
For over a decade, Smith Creek's high-quality fly fishing accessories have helped anglers just like you to keep your gear in easy reach, free up your hands, and keep our waters clean. Their award-winning Rod Clip Plus now has two ways to attach it to your vest or pack, making it easier to tie a fly, change a hook, or release your catch. All Smith Creek products are built guide-tough, using rugged materials and backed by their strong commitment to customer service. This fall, Smith Creek is introducing even more new products, so keep checking their website at smithcreek.co for more information and special offers from now through Christmas. I want to backtrack a little bit and clarify my uh, egg on the line uh, comment because I want to elaborate on it for out Mm. here. So we have... Two species of spring spawners. Yeah. Rainbows. And so rainbows and cutthroats. Okay. And so those fish, I'm going to go back to what I said about fishing a run. You know, if I know there's a high and in area that's that's congregating with brown trout, yep. it's just as likely that the deep run below it is full of cutthroat and rainbows eating those eggs. Oh, yeah. Their and own so, eggs. Yeah. Right. Well, the brown trout eggs. So that's oh, right. maybe one thing different than, 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 than that we have out here. We have two species that are abundant in the rivers mm-hmm. that aren't spawning, right? Like the reverse doesn't happen in the spring when the rainbows are spawning and people are fishing egg patterns for the brown trout, right? Because the browns aren't spawning. They're eating a hatch. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. It's a localized egg hatch. And so some of my issue with it out here is like, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm fishing for rainbows and cutthroats. I'm not fishing for those brown trout in that area of loose gravel that we all know yeah. they're spawning. But there's maybe more rainbow trout in the river than brown trout. Mm-hmm. So why can't I target them fair game? Right. Right. Anyway, that's kind of where I'm at with the egg pattern because Bill said he might not fish an egg pattern. But for me, I'm targeting, you know, rainbows and cutties oh, yeah. on an egg. So. I don't know if I justify that or whatever, but that's kind of what my approach mm-hmm. can be. And look, the egg bite's not all over the river, right? I mean, you might find certain areas that are better than others. I wouldn't say it's a, hmm. you know, one of my go-tos, like maybe back home throughout the winter months. Sure. Um, and then the other piece I was going to mention, just more so for the Western angler is, you know, and Dom, you alluded to it. Hmm. You have, I guess this is, there's a lot more to this than what I'm going to say, but when the brown, when the cutthroats and the rainbows are spawning, the fry is active during the highest concentration of weight anglers mm-hmm. that the West will see all season long. Mm-hmm. So they, that mm-hmm. those those reds are suspect or susceptible to the same issue that brown trout reds could face yeah. in the winter and the fall, and the populations flourish. Right. So I don't know how, and look, I'm not condoning or like, you know, telling people to march and everything's fine. I'm just saying the facts <laughs> yeah. are there's more Western weight anglers in the months of June, July, and August when the, when that a, rainbow and cutthroat eggs are present in all those river systems Yeah, that they seem to be doing just fine with that added pressure. So it's an interesting thing to think about. To all that, like whether you want to fish, to me, it comes down to sportsmanship. Like mm-hmm. if uh, Trevor and his wife are having a good time, they don't want me to come into the room and start throwing headbangers at them. Oh, you know they're gonna get pissed off. What? And so, 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> and so, like you know, you give the you know you have to respect the trout. You know, let them do their business, and uh, you know, don't throw headbangers, sculpins at them, or eggs. No headbangers. Now we can't throw big streamers. No. no. Bill's, Bill, are you just going to throw midges at him then? Yeah, it's okay. Midges are okay. <laughs> and his Hodgman's. What about the Austin's? Let me, Austin, let me pin you down here. You, you ask us like how far away. Yeah. Let's, what about like how many feet? If you see some spawning trout up there, how far back behind them will you fish? Or to the I left? Mean, how far is the fish going to move to your fly? I mean, I think. Can that, can that fish see my fly? That's, right. that's a great point, Trevor, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, I think. If I think We're I, would, not to I would comfortably them. fish, right? I would comfortably fish as far away as I felt like wouldn't wouldn't hmm. tempt that fish off the red. And that's a better question than mine because it's it, everything's conditional, you know. Yeah. And in some and areas, they're going to move further. That's a good way to do it. And and we all know that those fish, you know, there maybe there's two spawning fish in a in a red, and there's a stack of fifteen fish or a dozen fish behind them picking up the eggs rolling down the stream and eating Sometimes. them. Yeah. So when we make that cast, if, they, if those two spawning fish can't detect or sense or see our egg fly, maybe I'm a, just a couple feet away and I'm targeting the fish below them that are just mm-hmm. intercepting their eggs. I don't really have a problem with that. No. So does, doesn't the same thing happen? I'll ask Deli this. I mean, don't you do the same thing in the spring when a different species is spawning with sucker spawns? Oh, the sucker, yeah. Nobody has any but respect for the sucker, point. though. Yeah. Because they're not yeah. a trophy fish, because it's not a right. big brown trout. Yeah. Right? But it's right, because it's okay, though. Mm-hmm. But why is it okay? It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a different right. fish is eating yeah. behind a, another spawning so fish. So you'll fish eggs then, Deli? There's just no sucker <laughs> unlimited. Sucker unlimited. There's no so, SU, you know? Not yet. <laughs> SU. <laughs> gonna go buy that URL. It is not our sport fish. We need some shirts that say I'm sucker unlimited. I'm just trying unlimited. to point out the, yeah. the, the hypocrisy. Oh, yeah. In, right. In, the, in what happens. No. Not just for Bill. I'm just saying for everything. It's like, so then it goes back to the original question. If nobody held up a big brown trout, in right. the month of October and November, would anyone give a <laughs> about any of this? I say no. It comes no. down to I'm with you. Yep. People think it's cheating, and they get and mm-hmm. nothing makes people more irate than someone that they think is cheating. That's true. That's why I hate mm-hmm. the Patriots. Nice. We were, we went through that last, <laughs> last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's proven. They're proven. Video cameras. It wasn't the deflated balls thing either. Nope. It's just go, listen, go read the Sports <laughs> Illustrated article anyway. And maybe that's just it. I mean, maybe that we 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 dissected what it truly is, and it's that fish is so elusive. And I'm going to say the the 20 plus inch brown yeah, trout most right. of the year. Wild. That yeah. people have the issue with it being easy, and I'm I'm okay with that. Right when it's when it's that mindset, I'm okay with it to a degree. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of just assumptions out there that. Any trout caught, any big trout caught in October and November yeah. is a red rated cheater fish. Yeah, there are. Can we all agree with that? Yes. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it happens all month, right? Yeah. Now you'll start to see people that don't post and then, you know, come, come two months later, look at all these big fish I caught. <laughs> right. You know, it wasn't that's during true. the spawn. It was just, well, wow. a couple yeah, of weeks that's ago. A, that's a product of the, of the industry. Yeah. yeah. And, and where we're at, you can't even post the, uh, you know, a fish and Austin alluded to it, right. With the, the Southern 
spawn happens. My our spawn might ha- is happening earlier than your spawn. You know, yeah. so you could sit here and be like, okay, I caught this fish, you know, on a cold water area and the fish there's some fish that really don't spawn out here until thanksgiving but the lower part of the rivers are wrapped up by november one so what if you caught that remnant Mm. big fish in the Mm -hmm. lower part of the system and you grip and grin it you know and oh it was a red it it had a beat up (laughs) bottom on it you know it's just like yeah yeah, it had a scar from from what it was doing Mm -hmm. but i caught him in in uh early November or um, or early December, right? Who's to say I didn't? <laughs> yeah, you said where we draw the line. I mean, when's it okay? How how many weeks before the spawn should you stop then? How many weeks after? Because afterward, you're right. They got those scars on them. They'll have a dirty bottom. Mm. I love seeing yeah. that. Yeah, January, February, they still have it. It's all mm-hmm. kind of torn up. Sometimes cool. you go, "Ooh, I yeah. know what you were doing." Yeah, and it's it's neat. It's like you're, they've been through through some battles, especially the males. You know. Yeah. yeah, we should have a full podcast on what they actually do during the spawn too. We don't really sure. have time for that, that would be tonight. Cool. Yeah. But it's neat to realize what they go through. Once yeah. again, by being on the water, you get to witness a lot of that and learn by seeing rather than just reading or just hearsay. Right, right. And, for and sure. Back to the the big fish thing. I think let's say the average angler might the most the 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 time that they see the most big fish is during the spawn. Mm -hmm. And so when they see a fish being posted or on social media that is big, they're automatically just going to think what happened during the spawn, because that's when they can see them most visually. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because they're in that skinny water. Yeah. But it, to me, it's motivation, right? You, you see that big fish and you're like, man, I'm, you know, I thought this stream only held 15 inch fish. That's right. And then you're like, okay, there's another level of fish out here. And then let me, you know, maybe my tactics aren't as good as I thought they were. Let me go back and reevaluate and maybe fish differently the next year, because every year I see this big fish, but I, I'm not catching it. That's very much what inspired me to night fish among other things, I was like, man, there is a class of fish in here that I don't touch very often, if ever, you know? And I thought, how do I catch them? And everybody would tell you, even night fish, you're going to catch bigger fish. I thought that would, that would do it. In some ways it kind of did. And in many ways, nope, <laughs> I haven't hit that mark yet, you know, but it's, it's uh yeah, it's inspiration. It's motivation. Inspiration. And, and I think you can even use it as a tactic to hunt big fish mm-hmm. because if what I like to look at right, is you see the lengths that some of these fish travel and where they show up at yeah. and how long are they in the system prior to actually doing the dance. And for me, it's a game to try to tie in, okay, these five days traditionally in October host a large number of staging fish. This go like, Dom, when is it not okay to target these fish? But there's a clear pre-spawn window where you find large trout in small creeks and tributaries. And if you do your homework, right, and you got boots on the ground, and maybe you did find see those two big fish on a red one year, and you come back two weeks prior before the dance starts, mm-hmm. and you hook that big fish, to me, that's a tactic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all, that's all boots on the ground. That's education. That's oh, yeah. learning your river systems. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, and you're doing it. You're good at it, group. It's learning. Right. That's what we're, what we're out here to do is solve those mysteries, solve those puzzles, you know, the, use all the data that you can gather. And like Bill said, just be a sportsman about it. Sure. I'm sure it's the same out there. But fish will winter over in some of those tribs. And I find if, if there's yeah. a small window in the spring where you can still 
get those big fish. And the only way I know that they're in there, you know, is learning the systems and walking and seeing, oh man, look at those big fish that are, that are spawning. They, they can linger in those systems until April, right? Until the water, they end up, or they're lake fish, right? Everyone's, you know, you have a massive amount of lake fish that penetrate the systems and they can linger, you know, into the spring. So there's things you can, you can use to your advantage to legit hook into some big fish if you're observant. Right on. So Matt, you kind of touched on that with, with fish moving out of the lakes in the West and fish moving dramatically in the West. From an Eastern perspective, I know in some of our streams, we see that as well, but you know, these big fish that show up once a year that Dom was kind of talking about, and we got to go out at night to catch them. How much of them in our local rivers are we seeing that are residents versus uh, residents of other rivers that are moving? Mm-hmm. What's your What's your guys' opinion on that? It's a great question. That is a great question. I feel like it depends a ton on the watershed and what available yeah. spawning exists and whether there are thermal yes. pressures that drive them different directions. I think around here we have so much thermal influence with the springs and certain spring-fed streams and then some streams that have more gravel than others. I think we see a lot of movement. Um, in certain waterways yeah. and probably less in others that we could think about that the fish predominantly stay in the same river to spawn that they typically live in. And that's another really neat thing to kind of chart, to just kind of gather that data over the years. But like, for example, they don't spawn in there, in the actual river very much, right? They're up in those tribs a lot. Yeah. You know, and then like Matt said, they'll stay up in there. Yeah. But around here, you know, the river that's down, down the hill from me, they do almost all the spawning right in that river. But sure. that, that said, they're in that 50-foot-wide creek, right? And they, they do almost all the spawning right there. There are a couple tribs, but yeah, it's only like 5% of the water that they're using. Again, the gravel has to be just right. The, the water level has yeah. to be just right. It's easy to avoid that 5% of water. Matt, you have some? Yeah. No, I'm just agreeing with you because I've, so, I've been able to see it out here as well where there's two miles of river there's no, there's no action mm. going on. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, reds of any sort, yeah. right? And so, you know, who's to say you don't ambush? A, this goes back to like justifying the the fishing during the spawn, and you're fishing a two mile stretch of river in between maybe some famous spawning grounds or whatever. But you mm-hmm. ambush a large trout that's moving into those areas. I don't see why that's there's any issue with that, right? Um, but then. That just come, sometimes when you when when that happens, you post the picture, the hate comes, right? <laughs> just naturally with it that you couldn't have. There's no way you could have caught that fish legit, right? <laughs> yeah. To answer your question, Austin, I think it's I think every river system is different. I, I know a few river systems that it seems like they're vacant because the fish have migrated up into tributaries to spawn, and I've seen river systems as big, if not bigger, where they stay resident and they spawn you know, mostly in that river system that I think spend time on your river system and learn that like Grub saying, like, if you're going to have high water through the winter and into the spring, a lot of times those fish that have migrated into those tribs to spawn will hang around because there's good water volume and there's good structure. And if you, you know, you got your boots on the ground, maybe you can find a big hole in there and then you can come back, you know, after the spawn, they might, you know, hole up there for the winter for a little bit. Well, especially in your area, there's no thermal issues at that time. Right. So what better time mm. than the winter and early spring for your for big fish in, in your area 
to find a new home temporarily, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. There's also a lot of lake systems in PA, not necessarily the Great Lakes, but there's other lake systems that fish will run out of, whether they be brook trout or brown trout Mm. throughout the state. And those are most of the ones that I've tried to explore. They're in and they're in and out of those streams within like three or four days. Mm. Wow. That's quick. If you do see them 90% of the time they're spawning. And so, you know, it's crazy to see like a two foot fish and a six foot crick <laughs> that's, you know, inches deep and it's spawning and it's back is out of the water. And yeah, it's like, it this fish looks like it, like it's like a dinosaur hmm. playing in a puddle and you're like, okay, but it's cool to see that. It is. And then you have the self-discipline not to what's the point you know of like snagging it out of there or something i never yeah i never understood that you might as well just walk up and net it at that point if it's in six inches yeah, of water yeah. and you want a picture with it just walk up and net it you <laughs> do less damage probably yeah, that's true i know one response that we'll get one complaint that we'll get is that people live in areas where there's a lot more angler pressure on a lot fewer rivers so there's just such a concentration of anglers and maybe in some of those areas, they also have the, you know, the kind of rivers where they do kind of all collect in one area, the spawning grounds, not just spread out, you know, up and down 20 miles of trout water, but like they're all right there. And then, you know, people don't like seeing that. I wouldn't either. I've never really witnessed that where people are just raping the reds at the spawning grounds. Mm-hmm. I've never seen yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that'd be distasteful to all of us. I mean, and we're definitely, right. I hope and that people happens. listening yeah. aren't thinking that we're advocating right. for that in any way. Yeah. Right. So in those areas, I, I definitely would be in favor of shutting those areas down. If that's yeah. happening, I, I think, yeah, shut them down for, for that period of time. Yeah. I don't know. I think we're pretty reasonable about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, New York, I think within the last 10 years has opened up their season. Mm-hmm to fish like the the delaware river system some of it used to close Mm -hmm. and so it'd be interesting to understand why new york did that is it just to allow people to fish more or did they do some studies on it montana did it did what now i mean when i first moved out here it was closed you know i think it was like some places were closed november 1st through memorial day weekend but that's Um, after your spawn isn't it you know, well, the brown it is. I'm just time. saying they opened it. A lot of these rivers they opened up since I've been here, which is ten years. And the interesting part is you're having that that odd brown trout decline in regional areas, and that's where all this stuff gets momentum. Oh, right. Gotcha. The, yeah. That Correlation. The closing it is the is the right thing when there's so many other factors with yeah. dewatering. Yeah. Warmer water than normal. Mm-hmm. You can't just pick one of those and pinpoint it in my opinion. So you got to be careful, you know, with that type of thing. But I agree with you guys in the sense of, look, if you have like three streams, there's not a lot, and the whole river system's dependent on uh, a brown trout, and you can close that six weeks, that makes sense to me in that regard. But if you have a lot of water, multiple species, right? If you close it for the brown trout, you should close it for the rainbows and cutties too. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go. So no fishing. <laughs> right. Well, six weeks out of the year. Full circle. <laughs> Guess what? Stop booking your trip to Montana. That's right. Because you're you shouldn't you shouldn't drop your boat anchor in the river. That's right. In June, you, you might hit a red. Bust in reds. Might hit a red. Sorry. Right. That's the truth. Yeah. It, there is just some some awareness. Again, you kind of well, we're trying to bust the hypocrisy, really. Right. There's yeah. there's there's a lot of awareness that yeah. should be there. Just stop making assumptions. 
educate yourself, I guess, about especially your region, the waters you're fishing, what happens in your waters. Yeah. And then uh, decide where you're going to draw your lines and then, you know, have some self-discipline. Totally. You know, Trevor, I always, it, sometimes I, I'm flabbergasted by this whole thing. And I'm like, maybe archery hunters started this because <laughs> they weren't allowed to, right? We're in the woods. Mm-hmm. And I would be the first to admit, I, I never rarely fished in the fall right. because I was right. a hardcore archery guy. Totally. Like, spawn, like it just kind of wasn't a, something I did. And then Southwestern Pennsylvania didn't exactly have, you know, much spawning at all right. going on. Right. You know, I think the first time I saw spawning was with Dell and I got a big fish and, you know, I was oblivious to the whole thing. Like didn't, didn't know reds. Right. Cause I hunted. Right. Mm-hmm. And then right. all these hunter, I'm like, do all these archery guys get all like jazzed up about the fact that there's all these big brown trout and they're giving their buddy <laughs> or what? That's right. They don't, they're not fishing. So they don't want you fishing. That's right. Yeah. yeah right. But I mean, yeah, I never was, I, can't do I was it. uneducated. I was an uneducated angler for a while. And I think that's kind of what we're harping on. Yeah. Is. It's, it's, sure. it's very, very important to, to actually spend time the opposite of what some folks in the industry are telling you, mm-hmm. you should go out walk with awareness and, and learn. Yeah. Don't and just be a copycat. That's important. Right. Don't just yep. be a copycat and start moralizing about fishing during the spawn, but educate yourself, draw your own lines like Dom said, and, and be, be able to live with what you decide to do. And I think we're advocating for an ethical approach, not targeting spawning fish, right. but also being okay with learning your waterway and fishing during the spawn in a way that doesn't impact the spawning fish and still mm-hmm. keeps you on the water. Yep. Year-round fishing. I mean, that's Year-round what, fishing. That's what I love. That's what makes this area unique too. We can, yep. you know, for sure. We can do that. And yeah, we've found a way to do that during the spawn without bothering the system. Or just go musky fishing. That's better in the fall. <laughs> musky and trout have a like the the seasons kind of flip-flop, right? Is that right? So, yeah, so musky fishing is good now. Trout fishing will start to decline with the spawn in May when, you know, trout fishing is at its peak. Muskie fishing kind of sucks because the muskies start to spawn. Cool. So there you go. Blow there up you your go. shoulder and go fish for muskie. That's right. <laughs> Maybe you'll save a trout by catching a muskie. That's true too. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, guys? This may be a little late to mention now, but... For any listeners that don't really know what a, a red looks like, mm-hmm. or maybe not seen one, or know what kind of water a trout uh, prefers to build reds in, mm-hmm. maybe we should touch on that before we uh, close it out. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, so trout generally like to um, lay eggs and spawn in water that is um, not overly fast or forceful mm-hmm. or... Um, has a high gradient, but something that is more even paced, maybe uh, knee deep or lower, that has soft gravel in it that they can dig their bellies into and 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 make a, a bed to lay their eggs in and cover up. Um, you'll often see a uh, a large or you know semicircle or full circle area that looks like it's freshly been like turned over almost. So there might be a, a bright spot amongst a larger, darker area of gravel, and that signifies that a trout has been working that gravel area mm. to um, 
kind of create a spawning bed for itself, that it's been digging rocks out or gravel out, laying uh, eggs into it and pushing that gravel back over it. So uh, you may see two or one trout uh, on top of that circular area. You may be, uh, you may be seeing no trout on top of that area. But if you see a, a clean kind of bright area of, uh, of gravel amongst what looks to be brown or dark gravel, that's a good area to, to stay away from. For sure. I think people are back to the uneducated stuff. But if you go back year in and year out, you're like, oh. Right. If you didn't fish there, then you wouldn't know. One thing I want to mention, Austin, just to piggyback on top of your description there, is that right after the eggs are fertilized, the female gets back in and covers the eggs over. A little bit. Yeah. And tries to bury them to some extent to protect them. And so a lot of times reds are way more, way less visible than that mm-hmm. you know we see that bright patch as she's dug it out but then as she kind of like gets above the red after the the eggs are deposited and fertilized sometimes those reds are way less noticeable yeah because she covers them back up or she's trying to yeah. um yeah so it, i mean i think it can be pretty sneaky and that's to back to all of our point about knowing kind of regions in the river where they're spawning, you may not see an obvious red later on in the season and in the winter and spring, and yet don't be too confident walking across gravel beds that time of year. Exactly. So like maybe you get to March and you enter one of those parts of the river and you think, yeah, it's probably covered in reds at some points in these. I'm going to walk on these big rocks or something and walk around Mm -hmm. if you have to. Especially once you know your rivers. You, You almost do it without thinking all winter long. You go, okay, I don't walk here. I don't walk here right now. We go out and around. And that's the difference. It comes back to the discipline, right? Like you actually have to, you actually have to live that out. Yeah. It's one thing to talk about it and to say, yeah, the head knowledge of knowing, yeah, there's probably eggs in that water there some, some point, but it's another thing to tell yourself, I'm actually going to walk around this part of the water. That's true. And you know what? We're saying it takes a long time to learn that. And you're going to have anglers out there who say, well, I'm just starting out. I I don't know that yet. And I'm so afraid to walk on reds. Don't be, right? I, I'm going to say don't be. The only way you're going to learn mm-hmm. is, by, is being out there, being very observant. Right. And if you care, if you care about it, you're not going to, I mean, you're not going to do the wrong thing, you know? But don't be, uh, don't let yourself be limited, you know, by that lack of experience. The only way you're going to get sure. that experience is being out there. You know what else you shouldn't do? What's that? I'll end on this. What's that? You don't need to post something on Instagram telling everybody you're the better person for not fishing during the spawn. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> don't, don't moralize. That's a yeah. good point. We yeah. should, we should but touch there's a, on there's that. There's people out there. Let's touch on that. Yeah. Like, Hey, I'm putting it away for the season. Yeah. Like good for Hanging you. Hanging it up right like, now. Yep. So going to so give what? those trout a break. Giving them a break. Giving them a break. Like, giving them a break. This will be my like, last trip g- for a while. <laughs> give <laughs> me a just break. Throw I'm done. Yeah. Hanging it up. Hanging it up for a while. See you in 2025. That shit drives me nuts. I guess it can go, it, it can go along with the water temperature thing. It's right. the same people. It's the right? same right? thing. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm better than you, and so I'm going to sit on the couch. And I want to tell you about it. <laughs> what about me? <laughs> now you're going to hear Don't about forget it. about me. That's right. I'm still here, but I'm, I'm not still, fishing. That is the joke, right? I'm still here. I caught this fish in the spring. I'm still here. I'm still here. Here. I'm still here. Right. Remember me? I caught big fish. <laughs> yeah. Just thinking it's back so to silly. when I caught this fish. 
<laughs> I would give anything just, for just, 70 degrees right now. Just a quick repost. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Shameless from, repost from last time I caught a big trout. Yeah. Can't I'll, wait. I'll direct message the, that individual with a trout, a one handed trout with eggs spewing out its mouth. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> Hey now. <laughs> That's not what you do. That's, That's not, not what, what you, you do. <laughs> Trevor, let's hear it. That's not what you say. <laughs> Come on, man. That's the original. Uh, I see the lake guys now that are catching fish, like the like the bait guys. Yeah. And they're holding them up, and there's like eggs dripping out of them. And they're like, "Yeah, new egg sacks or something like that." A whole different world, right? Everybody's yeah. living in a different world. There's so yeah. many different things yeah. going on out there, and uh, you can definitely be a little over concerned and under concerned about spawning fish. That's for sure. All right, there it is: trout fishing and the spawn. So try to understand what's really going on out there. Try to learn what the trout do in your region in your waters. Tune out some of the over-the-top rhetoric and drama that surrounds the spawning season. Make your own decisions and have the self-discipline to follow through. That's about it. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Dr. Trevor Smith, will you read us out? I will. Remember, the Trout Bitten Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Trout Bitten website hosts over 1,000 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags, too. Be sure to find the Trout Bitten YouTube channel, now featuring the Trout Bitten Tip Series, the Fish and Film Series, and the Trout Bitten Flybox, all in collaboration with Wilds Media. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and leave a comment, because that really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water. Halloween. It's like the Michael Myers chant. The Michael Myers chant. It's like the guy with a Michael Myer, Myers mask sitting on the bank, creeping Dom out. Sniper. The sniper location. Maybe I could even snag him. Right, right, right. You some bitch. That was cheating. That's true. That's why I hate the Patriots. And that happens. Brings up another question that's just popped in my head. It's like a dinosaur playing in a puddle. Oh. Oh, yeah. Legit.